Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, hey, Waffle Gang, I do hope you are well. My name is Mark, and today we're checking out some more relationship stories. And if you do love a Reddit story, why not consider hitting that like, subscribe, maybe that notification bell too. Hugely helps out the channel. I never expected it either. And let's crack on with today's first story. So thank you very much. Much love to you as well. Now, our first story comes from a throwaway account who says, am I the butt face for being upset by a friend who has become close friends with my high school bully who palmed me in the face. I, 25 female, was severely bullied throughout middle school by Edward, 24 male. Everyone knew he was a bully. Once he said he didn't want to sit next to me because I was ugly. He was always making fun of me. It was a daily nuisance and harassment. Geraldine, 25 female, was my best friend in middle school. By high school, Geraldine and I had grown apart as best friends. We were still friends and basically had the majority of our classes together and sat together, but just weren't best friends anymore. Senior year, she started dating my middle school boyfriend or my first boyfriend, Daniel. She didn't tell me they were dating. I found out after the fact and when they went public. I was initially uncomfortable, but I decided to let it go and be happy for them. I reasoned that we were in middle school and only dated for a month. In high school, Bully Edward was a close friend of Daniel as they were on the football team. I didn't see much of Edward in high school until senior year when we joined the same after school club. I tried to be friendly and talk to him thinking he'd change as we were 18 by then. Well, he took it upon himself to keep bullying me. At talent show practice, he told a teacher to eliminate me as a dancer. Then that night, we were in a group. He told the girl dancers, I understand what everyone is doing here, but what is she doing here? Everyone was shocked. He then kept on telling the teacher to eliminate me. I went up to him to tell him to stop. He ended up palming me in the face, shoving my face to the side with force. My contacts fell out. I ran out crying. I reported it to the teacher. When we were released, I had lost it. I'd started screaming at him and told him, why didn't you go and hit your mother? His mother had died our freshman year. Edward got in trouble. He never apologized to me, although the teachers told him to, or he would be kicked out of the club. I never told the teachers he never apologized to me and just let him continue in the club. I also didn't file any criminal charges. I remember afterwards, Geraldine told me, it was wrong for you to say that about his dead mother. We went to college. Geraldine and Daniel broke up after the first year of college. Daniel and Edward stayed friends. Geraldine and I stayed in contact. I moved states. We called each other each year to wish each other happy birthday. We'd call each other in crisis and of course, we were friends on social media. I'd considered her a life sister. Although we didn't see or speak to each other as often, we had the common bond from childhood. Then last year, Geraldine tells me that she and Edward are now close friends. She sees him as a little brother now. 
She said she knew I wouldn't like it. She knew what he did, although he never bullied her in high school. I remember her saying how he was a bully. I was in shock, even if we only spoke a few times a year. How could she be friends with a man who thinks it's okay to put hands on a woman? I ran into him as an adult. Still, no apology. I was told this friendship with Edward is also a gateway to get back with Daniel and get back in his circle. I have CPTSD because of Edward's bullying and other bullying I endured. I'm in therapy for it now. Am I the butt face for being upset she is friends with him? Now, many of you know my previous situation through my school life and bullying, etc. So I won't go into that. But as I always say, take what I say with a little pinch of salt, of course, because, you know, my bias will probably come out in some form. But the way I'm looking at this and I'm already seeing that you haven't got much contact with this person anyway. Although you said, and this is what makes it a little bit difficult to me, that you considered her a life sister. I sort of think, why do you want that person in your life? You know, you may as well just go full no contact at this point. She's considering, you know, your bully as a little brother now and putting myself in your shoes. Would you want to hear about that? Would you want to hear about him anymore? No, you've got yourself in therapy and it sounds like you're doing yourself good by keeping out of it for your own mental health. So in some ways, I think if you can just cut the contact completely it doesn't sound like you have much contact anywhere at the moment so they just have nothing more to do with it and the way i look at it is she knew what you went through she knew he was a bully you said that in the story yourself and then to come up to you and then tell you he's like a little brother to her although she's just trying to get with his friend or whatever it just just it's bullshit to me <laughs> just doesn't really strike me as something a friend would do but before we get to the update l's in trouble says not the butt face and if it were me, I'd tell her what a contemptible piece of shit she is. And mark my word, she is. She's using him to get close to an old boyfriend who is in a relationship. Just what about this person screams at you, be my friend? Move on and let go of all these people. Static Dragonfly says not the butt face. If the bullying had ended in middle school and he'd been ashamed and apologized, that would be one thing. But he's not changed and still, for whatever reason, thinks it's funny to pick on you. Canny Candelabra says, not the buff face, you're in therapy and now an adult. You deserve better people in your life. Walk away from the Edwards and Geraldines of the world. Intelligent Love says, she is not your friend and never has been. Move on and get some better friends who won't toss aside your personal trauma for a boy. Not the buff face, but you would be if you stayed friends with these people. And Starry Vash says, you're the buff face to yourself. Just stop talking to G. She can be friends with other people. You don't have to like it. Especially if you're opening up yourself to G hurting you. Your choice is to continue to be friends with G or not. Your answer should be G continues to not be a good friend to me. Therefore, I will stop being friends with her. Not have to deal with E ever again. Block G. OP then comes in with an update which says thank you to everyone who took the time to respond to my post the other day. And then shares the original link. I confronted Geraldine and told her my feelings. I think when you grow up and have so many memories connected to someone, it's hard to let go. I think I was trying to give her one last chance to take accountability and apologize for her actions. Well, it didn't go well. We were messaging. She said she felt blindsided by me telling her how I feel about her being friends with my assaulter. She then tried to say we were both in the wrong because I talked about his dead mother after he palmed me in the face. Worst of all, she tried to allege that I hit him first. She alleged 
He and I were arguing and I put hands on him first. She was not even there when the incident happened. She was nearby but didn't see it. She only saw the aftermath of when I was screaming and made the statement about my assaulter's dead mother. There was no argument. I've never put hands on anyone. This is the first time I have heard this nonsense version of the story from anyone. I went berserk. I was 18 when this happened. I worked in industry where your background is thoroughly checked and an accusation that I assaulted someone when I was 18 would have been serious and maybe triggered a background investigation on me when I was applying for my license. Geraldine then said this wasn't the platform to have this conversation. It should be by phone. I said, okay, I'll call tonight at nine. She didn't respond. Today, she wrote me that she talked to her therapist. She's in New York City. Therapists are available at all times and she isn't in the mental space to talk about this issue. She's dealing with something personal and doesn't have the headspace. There is some truth in her saying she isn't in the mental space to speak. I was told her mum was diagnosed with dementia about six months ago and she isn't taking it well. Note, she became close friends with my assaulter a year or two before her mum got sick, so I'm not pressing for her to speak to me about the issue anymore. My thoughts though. 1. How could any person reasonably say a man unprovokingly assaulting a woman half his size and a woman who had just been assaulted and is in fight or flight mode would make a hurtful statement in retaliation deserve the same moral condemnation? 2. The statement that I hit him first is infuriating and an insult to my character. I've never hit anyone in my life. I was one of those smart geek girls who wore glasses in high school. That's why bullies like Edward targeted me. Our mutual friend even said that doesn't even make logical sense if that were what happened. How come he was in trouble but you weren't? 3. I told Geraldine she was being a bully enabler and a woman beater excuse her by what she was doing. It's like wow. This person said they were my friend and had this image this is the type of person I was. I'm letting her go. It hurts like hell, but accepting friendship from someone who thinks I would be capable of assaulting someone would be accepting a devalued version of myself. That's in someone who would believe the version of a known bully without asking me first. I also don't understand how she could be so oblivious to basic and logical conclusions. Second edit. I also know how she spoke to our mutual friend about it today, and Geraldine allegedly replied to my remark that she chose the bully's side by saying, Maybe I was on my man's side. She means Daniel, her ex-boyfriend who was close friends with bully Edward and the reason she befriended Edward. She also told our mutual friend that my comment to her that she was a bully enabler and woman beater excuser was piercing. Her dad used to beat up her mum. He died when she was three, but she knows about it. Comments, thoughts and replies on the update are greatly welcomed and appreciated. And I still stand by what I say in the first part of the story and i think op needs to move on from this move on with their life and get away from these people they don't sound healthy for their own mental health op's in therapy because of what one of these people did and, and i think including this friend who doesn't really seem like much of a friend to me is just introducing some of this drama back in which i don't think op really needs or wants right now but that's just me what do you guys make of this story let me know your thoughts down in the comments below Let's move on to another one. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And for our second story today, I fancied a bit of malicious compliance. Occasionally we go down this route because no, it's nice for a little change every once in a while. If it's not for you, probably where the video slash podcast ends, but I'd love it if you stayed with me. This one is from Technogrind, who says, but I didn't retire. The following is a post I made on r slash pro revenge. Several commenters said I should post it here as well. I suppose it's actually a reverse case of malicious compliance since it's a troublesome employee who gets their well-deserved comeuppance when her boss decides to go strictly by the book. So here it is, copied and pasted below. My friend, I call her Sally, worked at a travel agency in British Columbia, Canada. It was a small, owner-operated business with the owner and three employees, including my friend. Everyone worked Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. One of my friend's co-workers, I call her Jane, an older woman in her early to mid-60s, was a long-time nuisance employee. Among other sketchy behavior, Jane was always scamming ways to take time off over and above her official paid vacation time. In order to make up for the lost hours, she would claim overtime hours slash pay by supposedly going into the office in her off hours to finish up work without being requested by the owner to do so. Despite being caught in her own lies on a number of occasions and being warned about trying to claim for unsanctioned overtime, the owner of the travel agency was reluctant to officially reprimand Jane or get rid of her. The reason being is the owner discovered after she had hired Jane that Jane had actually been fired from a previous job at another local travel agency for pulling the same stunts. However, Jane had sued her former employer for unfair dismissal and had won a settlement. After a few years of my friend Sandy working at the travel agency, the owner was ready to retire and offered to sell the business to my friend. Sandy took her up on the deal and took over the business while keeping on Jane and the other employee. Once again, just as the previous owner was afraid to get rid of Jane, so was Sandy for fear of being sued. When Sandy took over the business, she instituted guidelines regarding taking time off and she established an official no overtime policy. Jane would still try with her shenanigans but was far less successful in getting what she wanted with my friend in charge. 
However, Jane still had one trick up her sleeve when she wanted to take time off on a whim. Sandy was a divorced single mum of two boys who were heavily involved in youth hockey. She would sometimes leave the office an hour or two before closing to get her boys to hockey practice or a game. In order to avoid requesting in person and potentially being denied, Jane would wait for Sandy to be out of the office to book a day off if she didn't feel like coming into work or had made plans. Sandy would then arrive at work the next morning only to discover that Jane wasn't coming in. Despite this happening a number of times, Sandy would usually let it slide since there was now a definite no overtime policy. Therefore, Jane could no longer claim to come into work on the weekend or after hours in order to try and make up for the day off. She would either miss out on a day's pay, in turn saving Sandy money as the owner, or it would come out of her remaining paid vacation days. Moreover, two people in the office at one time could usually handle everything. Jane not coming in was really a no-loss situation for Sandy. There was one time, however, when Sandy was going to be away for one or two workdays just before the weekend to take her boys to a hockey tournament. She told both Jane and the other employee both verbally and in writing that they could not book time off for the dates in question, since she would be away and needed both of them in the office. Within a few days of giving this notice, Sandy went into the office on a Saturday to do some paperwork and go through the sales for the week. This is when she discovered that, only the day before, Jane had booked a trip for her daughter and son-in-law to Las Vegas, as well as a plane ticket and a name to Calgary, where her daughter lived. Both the trip to Vegas and the ticket to Calgary coincided with the date Sandy would be out of the office. Sandy then checked the vacation booking schedule to further discover that Jane had indeed booked the days off that she had expressly been told she couldn't have, not mentioning she had discovered the travel Jane had booked for herself and her daughter. Sandy emailed Jane telling her she would have to deny her the days off, since she had already been told they were unavailable because she, Sandy, would be away and needed Jane in the office. Through a continued series of email exchanges, Jane replied and outright lied to Sandy with some excuse about her daughter getting some long-awaited medical treatment or surgery, and she needed to go to Calgary to help out for a few days and look after her granddaughter. Sandy replied to this lie by telling Jane she knew about the trip she had booked to Vegas for her daughter and son-in-law, that Jane's trip to Calgary was most likely to babysit her granddaughter while her daughter was in Vegas, and that she would have to still deny Jane the days off, especially since she booked them after being told they were unavailable. Jane countered in a subsequent reply, without even addressing the fact that she'd been caught in a lie, that she'd been a dedicated employee of the travel agency for several years and couldn't understand why she was being treated so unfairly after all she had done for the business. She then wrote that since she wasn't being treated as a valued employee, she had no choice but to retire and was given her two weeks notice. Despite Jane's threat, Sandy replied that she would still be unable to grant her the days off and left it at that without making any mention of Jane's threat to quit slash retire. Sandy then contacted her accountant, who also acted as a de facto business advisor, and explained what had happened with Jane, also aware of Jane's previous shenanigans. Sandy's accountant told her that this was the out she had been looking for with Jane, and she had it all in writing. He told her that Jane had essentially resigned slash retired and all Sandy needed to do was honor Jane's desire to do so. Let her finish out her two weeks and pay her two weeks wages in lieu with no further severance pay legally required since she hadn't been fired. The following Monday, Sandy went into the office early accompanied by a long-term boyfriend to act as a witness. She put Jane's belongings from her desk into a box and took the things that were property of the business. 
since Jane was old school and had resisted inputting client information in the computer database. This also included a small box file with index cards, which had client phone numbers, addresses, credit card information, and other personal information noted on them. In the meantime, the other employee had arrived for work and they all waited for Jane to show up. Jane arrived just before nine o'clock, acting as though nothing had happened and greeted everyone with a good morning as she walked through the door. However, she was apparently taken slightly aback when she noticed Sandy's boyfriend seated in the far corner of the office. At this point, Jane was midway to her desk when Sandy informed her that there was no need to go any further and that she had accepted Jane's notification of retirement. She then handed Jane a check compensating her for the hours she had worked in the current pay period as well as two weeks wages in lieu of Jane finishing out her final two weeks before her retirement. Jane was dumbfounded and went into panic mode. But I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. Sandy responded that indeed she had retired, given a notice and had proof of it in writing. All Jane could do was continue repeating, but I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire while unsuccessfully attempting to get support of the other employee who refused to come to her defense. Sandy then pointed to the box containing Jane's belongings, wished her a happy retirement and told her to leave the office. Jane quickly rifled through the box and noticed that the small box containing the index cards with client information was not there. She insisted that Sandy return it to her, which Sandy refused to do, explaining it was property of the business contained personal client information and that she would be in violation of Canadian privacy laws if she would let Jane to take it. Jane's shock had now turned into obstinance and she refused to leave without the box. Both the other employee and Sandy's boyfriend had started to get involved, repeatedly telling Jane to just leave. Sandy then informed Jane that if she didn't leave, they would have to call RCMP. Canadian police, at which point Sandy's boyfriend dialed 911 to inform the dispatcher of a disgruntled former employee at XYZ Travel Agency who was refusing to leave the premises. Within a few minutes, two police officers arrived and Jane immediately ran to the door ranting about being fired about the missing box of client info. In order to de-escalate the situation, one police officer told Jane to come outside and explain to him her side of the story. The other officer remained in the office to hear Sandy's side of the story, agreeing that Jane was not legally entitled to the box of client info. The other officer then re-entered the business and told Jane to wait outside. He said that Jane was insisting that Sandy was holding onto her personal belongings, namely a box of important information. Both Sandy and the officer who had spoken to her explained the contents of the box to the other officer who in turn agreed it was not Jane's property. The police officers then picked up the larger box of Jane's personal belongings, took it outside to Jane and told her she needed to go home. To rub salt in Jane's wounds. The next day, Sandy put up a large sign in the window of the business congratulating Jane on her retirement and even put a small announcement in the local newspaper doing the same thing. The icing on the, the, icing on the piece of revenge cake was Sandy. When filling out the necessary government forms for when an employee quits slash gets fired slash retires, made sure to check the box labeled retired for the reason for Jane no longer being employed. By doing so, Jane was ineligible to collect unemployment insurance benefits. I never understand how people get so comfortable in a position that they think, you know, threatening to quit or retire or whatever is going to send them into panic mode. I've actually seen this personally in a job before when I used to work at the greetings card company and I was in an office with about five other people and one of the gentlemen there had been there for about 20 odd years and he was getting fed up with the way things were being run etc 
and he eventually handed over a letter to the manager of the office saying I'm quitting because this is not good enough. And then the rest of the next couple of weeks was bringing up various issues, why he doesn't like the way things being run and, you know, was being just really snotty to everyone trying to get his point across. And nothing was said, nothing changed. I mean, the business was awful anyway, but at the end of the two weeks, they escorted him out of the building and he had a shocked Pikachu face. I was like, come on now. I did feel sorry for him in some ways, but holy moly. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Have you ever known anyone who's tried, you know, this threat of quitting or threat of retiring before? Did it work out for them? Did it not? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Now, as always, a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me today, for showing your love to one another, the stories, the OPs, everything is absolutely amazing. And at the end of the video, there will be a couple of playlists there for you to click on. Let's scroll through all the various stories for you. So if you want to just get involved further, it's a great way to help out as well. Thank you so much. And hopefully I will see you in the next one. Take care. And much love. Wake up, get up, stretch my legs, eat some breakfast, milk and eggs, brush my teeth up, wash my face, throw my clothes on, start my day. Wake up, I can smell the smoke from the bacon. Let's go, see the sun shining from the windows. Okay, I know that's a dead. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.